get your Bibles open now uh, to the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 13. Now, uh, one of the kind of favorite things uh, that my uh, family just loves is, uh, is small group night. Right? We love, we love, love, love small group. It's where uh, we have a bunch of these meeting in our church, and it's where we have about, I don't know, like a dozen or more uh, people uh, over to our place on an evening to really uh, grow in what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we discuss things, we pray, we have accountability, uh, we eat a lot of food, we have a lot of laughs, we do all of that thing, and we uh, truly love it. It's one of the things that we look forward to big time. Uh, but it's also a bit of a whirlwind just getting ready for it on a Tuesday night. Right? Yeah, you ever had that? You had people over to your, uh, your house before for something. You know, you had, uh, you're hospitable, you've got that uh, going for you, and you've got some people coming. And, and you know what it's like just kind of preparing for that sometimes, right? And for us, you know, we come home, and it's, you know, after five, it starts at seven. And so it's kind of this mad scramble a little bit to, um, you know, to get the, the house tidied up a little bit. Sometimes we run a vacuum through it or, you know, clean the dishes, wash the dishes, try and dry those things and make the room, you know, the room kind of nice for people. The kids are doing homework. Oh, yeah, we got to eat too. We're preparing for all of that. And then usually I'm doing some reading and some study, kind of getting ready kind of last minute for some of those things uh, as, uh, as well. Now, so for us, there's this sort of mixture of this excitement and this, you know, eager longing for, you know, what the Lord is, is this expectation for what the Lord is going to do that night as his, as his uh, church gathers together. But, but in the meantime, there's also this, like, there's work to do, right, to, to get ourselves prepared for that evening. Okay, well, well, in Mark chapter 13, Jesus talks about the importance of, of being ready, okay, being ready. But it's not uh, for something uh, like small group or, you know, getting ready for your exam and making sure that you're studying well, students, or for some project at work that has a deadline that you've got to get done. It's not for those kinds of things. Uh, it's about being ready for the end of the world. Okay? That kind of seems like a big deal, right? Don't you think? Right? Because Jesus is coming back, right? Do we know this as the church, right? The final judgment, and he's, he's going to deal with sin and He's going to deal with Satan once and for all. Bring it on, right? And, and he's going to gather his, his elect, his followers, uh, together and renew the heavens and the earth. Okay? And, so, and so for that day or, or until that day, okay, you and I, we, we got to be prepared. right? We got, to be, we got to be ready for that day. All right, I love that. Now, you might be thinking, you know, what, what does that look like for us? Well, we're going to... We're going to unpack this, and we're going to get into this, and we're going to see, but, but first of all, I think we need to pray. Right, let's pray, and let's ask the Lord to, to make these things clear to us and to fire us up about these things and, and for us to prepare our hearts. So let's do that now. Let's join me as we pray. God, we um, again pray that as we, think about, um, as we think about the end of the world, Lord, this is a topic that um, intimidates a lot of us, Lord. It's a, it's a topic that uh, straight up terrifies a lot of us, and you know, we think about this, and we're not sure, we're unclear about so much of it, and so we can either, you know, you know wring our hands in, in, in fear and anxiety, or we can just kind of push it away and not even think about it. And Lord, uh, in the meantime, Lord, you have a mission for us, and you have directives for us to carry out and accomplish. And, and Lord, it's so easy, we know, because we've got a flesh and we struggle, we know it's so easy to, to kind of push all of that away and just give in to what we want in our, in our selfish flesh. We know that we can waste so much time and we can be so ineffective and so unfruitful in how we live our lives. And Lord, I pray that today as we open up your word and as we see what you would have for us, Lord, that we would in fact uh, feel, um, feel the desire and, and be pushed towards getting ourselves ready now uh, for your second coming, Lord. And I pray uh, that as we think about 
uh, all of this, Lord. You would, you would um, again, just give clarity, teach, instruct, Lord, help us to know these things. I pray that we would take these things uh, seriously. Lord, I pray that you would grow our, our church strong in the meantime. And Lord, we want to say this too. We so eagerly long for you to return. Lord, so many of us, we've already prayed it, but so many of us, just in the last couple of days, we've experienced the brokenness of a fallen world. Lord, and, and we, are, we are groaning, and, and Lord, even some of us, we don't even realize we're, our, our, our heart's true desire is for our Savior, Lord, and to be, to be with you. And so, God, I pray that you would iron out the confusion that we have about these things, Lord. I pray that uh, we would uh, trust you. I pray that we would uh, grow more deeply in love with you as we unpack your word. Uh, so, Lord, have mercy on us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so you ready for... Uh, for a little end times action today, right? Uh, chapter uh, 13, okay, Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus, he plunges us right into this area, right into the area of eschatology. That's really the fancy, fancy word for, uh, for end times, okay? And, and then, well, you know, what, is it, what this means for disciples everywhere as we live with that anticipation and, and the hope that, hey, Jesus is coming back, right? And he's coming back Soon, we just sang about that, right? Now, the unmistakable thrust of, of this chapter, as we're going to look at this, uh, this text, is how imperative it is that you and I be ready for that day, right? That we be ready. Okay, so, so hear me on this. Okay, Jesus doesn't answer every single one of our burning questions that we have uh, about the final days, right? He, he doesn't do that. He, just, he doesn't do that here. We don't know exactly, you know, what all of these things will, will look like. I think we really want to know. And, and quite frankly, I think Christians get silly about this stuff. We're like, oh, it's going to look exactly like this. And, you know, it's going to happen on this day. <clears throat> right? We don't know. I mean, it tells us specifically, straight up again, you're not going to know. No one knows the hour other than, and the, Father, uh, other than the Father. Right? And so we don't know all of these things. He just tells us, hey, I'm coming back. Okay? So be on guard. Be on guard, you know, keep awake, stay awake. These are the phrases repeated over and over again all through this chapter that we uh, need to see here and need to, uh, need to understand because they are intended to, to capture our attention, all right, and also uh, direct our focus on how we live our lives now, okay? So Jesus is coming back, and I will be ready. Okay, so here's the first thing. Trusting him as the world goes haywire. We're going to trust him in this. Okay, take a look at this. Verse 1 now. Follow along with me here. Okay, it says this. And as he came out of the temple, you remember last week we talked about uh, the showdown that Jesus had with, uh, with the religious leaders and how he unearthed their pride. How he shone kind of the spotlight on their pride and shown the, uh, showed them and showed the Jews how, how wrong they were. He had this showdown with them. Well, he just finished all of that. Okay. He comes out of the temple, it says, and one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. Okay, so one of the disciples here, he's obviously, you know, really, you know, quite impressed with uh, the temple structure. You know, they're coming out of this, and he's like, wow, this is, this is pretty in incredible, and truthfully, it was. Okay, Herod the Great had, had uh, kind of expanded Solomon's temple to this, like, like enormous size. It really was uh, shocking. 
You know that blocks have been found uh, by archaeologists, blocks from the retaining wall alone that were just ridiculously huge. Okay, they were each block, they were like 42 feet long. Okay, let me make sure I get this right. They were 11 feet high and 14 feet deep. You know how much these things weighed? One block, a million pounds. Right, that is, that's impressive. Right, you can see now when you understand this why these guys would be like, wow, this is so, this is so amazing uh, what this is. Now here's Jesus' response here, verse two. He kind of throws some cold water on it. Look at this. He says, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Like cold glass of water, right? Right, right, right on how, he, how fired up he was about that, right? As wonderful as it all seems, Jesus says, hey, it's all coming down, right? It's all gonna tumble. It's all, it's all gonna crash. Now, what's he talking about? Right? Like, what's he getting at here? Well, listen, he's referring uh, to an event that would happen at that point in the very near future, shortly after uh, this. He's talking about uh, the destruction of the temple, uh, the fall of Jerusalem uh, at the hands of the Roman army under uh, Titus, son of the emperor. Okay, now that happened. It already happened. It happened in, in AD 70. That's when Jerusalem and the temple uh, fell. Okay, now Mark was written in the year 50. Or mid to late 50s, actually. And so this actually happened just around 15 years okay, after uh, this was written, the thing that Jesus uh, is talking about here. Okay? And the destruction of the temple is, is to be understood by us as God's judgment. Right? It's God's judgment on, you know, towards the, the Israel's leaders and what they had allowed a temple worship to become. We've talked a lot about that already in this series. It had become corrupt. It had become incredibly unfruitful. It had led people actually away from God, even though it gave this kind of thin veneer that, wow, we're, we're truly worshiping. No, you're not. Your hearts are wrong. You're far from me. Okay, now verse three, take a look at this. Keep going. It says, and as he sat, this is Jesus, as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, okay, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things be? Okay, and, and what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? All right, so what do they want? They want details, right? Like we want the inside scoop. Come on, Jesus, help us out here. You said it's going to come, come down. Why don't you give us, give us the insider's kind of knowledge here? But here's Jesus' response, verse 5. He maybe answers them in a way that they weren't quite expecting. He says, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and, and they will lead many astray. So he's talking about false messiahs that would come and claim to be God, claim to be God's son, false teachers as well. Keep going. And when you hear of wars and, and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Okay, this must take place, he says. But the end, as in the end of the world, okay, is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in, in various places. There will be famines. But the, uh, these are but the beginning of the birth pains. And then he says this, but be on your guard. In other words, be ready. Eh? For they will deliver you over to councils and you will be beaten in synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And I love this. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. 
And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, look what it says again. Do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And so again, Jesus, what is he doing here? He's foreshadowing okay, the, the fall of Jerusalem and, and the fall of the, of the temple and, and, and the wild events that are going to take place kind of leading up to that. Okay, and in this, he corrects the, the disciples' sort of wrong assumption here that these things would, would, would signify that the end is happening now. He says, no, in verse 7, he says, the end is not yet. Okay, these, these things are but the beginning of, of birth pains, he says in verse 8. He's explaining what will happen soon and what will happen next, not what will happen at the final judgment. I mean, if you think about it, the, the book of Acts and, I mean, just, you know, history books, right? It, it, it bears this out, okay? We know that, that these things did, in fact, happen uh, to these disciples. It did. And they... There were earthquakes. There were things that, like, like that. There were natural disasters that would happen. There would be uprisings of, uh, of false teachers and false messiahs. History records those uh, for us who would lead, uh, lead people astray. We know, and you, again, you read the book of Acts, you read, you read that they were, you know, they were delivered over to, to councils and they were beaten in synagogues and they stood before governors and they were interrogated simply for following Christ. Okay, and in the midst of that, what happened? Right, the gospel was proclaimed uh, to the nations. How cool is that? God used them. His Holy Spirit used them to, to proclaim that. They bore witness of the resurrection. Okay, the, the persecution that happened in these days was, was, was like the fertile soil that, that allows spiritual fruit and, and mission success. Okay, these were intense, intense days in human history. But again, when he, when he points to these things, he's pointing, here he's referring to the more, you know, immediate future, right? The destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. Okay, but next, okay, starting here in verse 14, take a look, he, he shifts and, and links this event, this kind of immediate future event, to, to the ultimate or final future event, the second coming of Christ. Again, verse 14, look at that. It says, but when you see the, the abomination of desolation, huh? <laughs> the abomination of desolation standing where he not ought to. Let the reader understand. Well, what's this? What's this about? Well, this, this appears to be a very clear reference to uh, the man of lawlessness or the Antichrist of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Right, who, who will come in, in the last days, in the, in the final days, to instigate a, a major epic you know, rebellion against the Lord and, and this full court press against uh, God's, God's elect, against the, against the church, which will precipitate the final return of Jesus Christ. So now, okay, now Mark, Mark describes what, what those days will be like. Again, keep going, verse 14, partway down. He says, then let those who are in Judea flew to the, uh, flee to the mountains. Let the one who is in the housetop not go down, nor, nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. 
And alas, for women who are pregnant and, and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter. For in those days there will be such tribulation. Literally that means grievous trouble. Okay, such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. Right? And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. Right? Suggesting that it's going to be so awful that, that it's not even physically survivable if it weren't for the fact that the Lord shortens it. They keep going and says, and then if anyone says to you, look, here he is, the Christ, or, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard, right? Be ready. He says, I have told you all things beforehand. He's like, I'm giving you the heads up now. Right? I, I'm giving you advanced warning so that you can be, you can be prepared. You can be ready, right? That the world is going to go absolutely bonkers. Right? It's going to go haywire in those last days. Right? There's going to be this major persecution that's going to come that, that wouldn't even be humanly survivable apart from grace. Okay, so, so the impending destruction of the temple, which he refers to here in the first few verses, okay, it's going to be, bring immense, and it did, immensely difficult and trying times for for the disciples, and, and all of that is going to be a sign. It's going to be a, a picture of the kind of tribulation that's going to come at the end, which, which appears to be even more intense and even more difficult than all of that. Now, how does that make you feel? Right? You, you read about that, and, and you start to kind of mine into that a little bit. What, what's your gut reaction like right now, how do you feel about that? Does it cause you stress? Does it kind of make you think, glad I'm older because maybe I'll be gone before that? Right? Or like, right? Does it make you feel like that? Does it, is it like it's too intense? I don't even want to focus on it. I'm just going to, you know, continue living my life however I want. Right? The point of this, the point of Jesus telling us all of this isn't to make us like, sweat buckets and wring our hands and work us up into this lather, this, this frenzy of fear and dread and, and anxiety about it. How do we know that? Well, because he tells us a bunch of times here, do not be alarmed, right? Do not be alarmed, verse 7. Do not be anxious about this, verse 11. Okay, so the clear command for us as disciples is, is to trust him. Yeah, it's going to be crazy, right? It's going to be nuts, it's really tough to know even like what all of this means specifically and exactly. And I think, again, sometimes Christians go way too far into trying to decipher all of this. And again, we just, we don't know all of the details. Try and read Revelation. You're like, how far do we push this literally versus, you know, how much of this is symbolic? You know, it's tricky. And we don't know all of those details, but we're not called to fret. We're not called to freak out about this, right? Christ followers are, are to be ready. We're to be on guard, Right, through a deep, abiding trust in him. That's it. That's the plan. 
right? As we consider all of these things, everything that's going to happen later, all of these things that are going to happen soon, and, and all of these things that I believe are even happening now. I believe in one very, you know, real sense that the last days, the end times, okay, in, in a broad sense, have, 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 are upon us. They, they've been happening to us ever since the incarnation, ever since uh, the birth uh, of Jesus Christ. Right? So, so how, do we, how do we trust God in this? What do we do? How, how do we, like, I'm not just talking about like a flimsy, I trust the Lord, verbal, you know, but, re, but really it's, it's not down to, you know, like how do we actually, in our, in our fear about this, in a way where we're, we're truly calm about, about where this is all headed, how do we actually trust the Lord? How do we grow in this knowing that the difficult days are ahead and and even upon us now, I mean, let's be honest, just look at where the world is, is going. Okay, we'll write these things down here. How to build trust in God so that I'm ready for the last days. Okay, we got four, four things or four ways uh, that we can do this. Okay, the first one here, let God's word create deep conviction in me. You have to do this. You want to trust the Lord? the most stable followers of Jesus Christ, the ones that are most convinced of his goodness, the ones that trust him deeply are the ones that are convicted that God's word is true. This drives me, this wakes me up, this creates a fire in my bones. Listen, those who are not, not convinced of the truth of scripture will be at the mercy of what sounds right. That's not a problem at all for the church, is it, these days? Right? We kind of take the Bible and we're like, I'm just going to kind of go by what Christian authors say. I'm going to go by what pastors say. I'm going to go by, here's the most deadly one, by what I feel and think. And, and we kind of push God's word away. We do it very subtly. But in that, we just, we kind of, we glance over it. We, we don't know it. We're not spending time in it. We're not inviting it to examine us. We're not laying down our will and our volition before it and asking God to do his thing in us. Listen, if you just kind of pay lip service to God's word, you will be anchored to something else. And what is the warning over and over and over again through the verses that we just read? Do not go astray. If you, want to, if you want to stand in those last days, if you don't want to be swept away like the rest of the world, you need to be deeply convicted of what God's word says and that it is true. Right? Without, without that, how can you possibly hope to stand? Well, I, I think that, you know, I'll, I'll probably make the right choice when, you know, my government presses me and when my, my freedoms are being stripped away and when I, when I can't just speak freely uh, about the things of Jesus Christ when that day comes. Guess what? Those days are here. Right? And I, but I, th I think I'm still going to make the right, the right decision here. You, you, you have an overconfidence in your own strength. We are not strong. Only those who believe God's word deeply will be able to stand. You must let God's word create that deep conviction in you. Commit to it. Commit to it. Bolster this up. 
recommit this week, today, now. I'm going to be in it all the time. I'm going to get help. I'm going to understand this. All right, let's keep going. Second one, how to build trust in God so that I'm ready for the last days. Establish a deep prayer life. You got to establish a deep prayer life. And I would say this, a lot of Christians, again, I, you know, I was, this is part, part of the reason why we would have you know, a prayer night on the 13th. Because we want, we want to teach. We want to, we want to equip you. We want to give you an opportunity to, to, to kind of you know, get your legs strong in the area of, of prayer. And so, so many of us, we feel weak about these things and we only come to the Lord when we've kind of exhausted every other, you know, man-made option. And, and when we come to the Lord, it's just, it's just grocery lists of, Lord, give me this, Lord, give me that, Lord, I want this, Lord, I want that. We only come to him when it's really hard, I would say. If you want to grow just kind of in, in, in small but profound ways this week, be, begin to bring the good things to the Lord too. Bring to him your, your joys, your, your gratitude. As you do that, this is going to strengthen, this is going to expand your, your relationship with him. Right? Because you're interacting with him more and you're praying and you're, you're bringing these things before him. You're going to grow in your, in your trust in the Lord. Listen, you're going to need that in the final days. It's going to get you ready for whatever, whatever comes next. Here's the third one. Forge deep relationships with the church. Okay, for some of you, this is very, very hard. And for some of you, it's like, well, I've been burned. I've been hurt at other churches. And, and therefore, I, I will never open up to somebody again. Or for you, you're kind of, you're a self-sufficient, self-made person. And so what do I need, you know, people for? Listen, you need to forge deep relationships with the church. That's what the Lord has called us to. Think about it. In the end, when, it, when everything goes, goes haywire and everything kind of goes crazy here, what's going to matter most to us? What's going to be of utmost importance? Listen, it's going it's to be this. It's going to be knowing God's word, okay? Knowing God's promises in his word. It's going to be prayer, right? And coming to him and having that relationship and that connection strong. And it's going to be the church. It's going to be the relationships that God is building here. Think about the book of Acts. Right? We, we already have a picture of this. And the Roman, the Roman government and, and the Jewish leaders were persecuting the church hard. They would gather together and come licking their wounds. And they would bring these things to the Lord and ask for more boldness. They had all things in common. They, they shared life together. They, these, this was precious, precious for the church. It's going to be precious to us as well. You've got to forge deep relationships with people here in the church. I know that it's hard. I know that we're terrible at it. We are. We're Canadians. We don't want to talk to each other, right? We don't. We want to come in here. We want to sing some songs, but not really sing. Just stand there, right? And then we want to maybe, maybe open a Bible if we remember to bring it, and then go home and do it all over again next week. Right? We don't want, I don't want to like get to know anybody. I don't, want to, I don't want to build relationships. I don't want to go deep. I don't want anyone to ask me a question about what's, what's going on in my life. I don't want to ask anybody else. I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable, right? We're brutal at this, but we got to do it. We got to do the hard work. We got to pray, Lord, bind us together. It's what makes us ready for the last days. Here's the fourth one, last one. We got to wrestle through my deep areas of, of doubt. Not mine specifically. You don't wrestle them through mine, you wrestle through your own. You understand that? We all have doubts. We all do. We, we wonder about things. You know, some of us are, are, are sitting here, and you've, you've been to church for decades, and, and you're asking the question, is God real? 
you're doing it. Can I really trust God's word? The world is saying this. That sounds more right than what this ancient book says. Right? And you've got your doubts. Do you know that God allows you to go through doubts? So that you can wrestle with these things and so that he can go into a deeper, deeper area of your life and so that he can lock down greater trust in him through all of this. So that your trust grows stronger. The doubts that you have right now, don't ignore them. Don't give in to them. Just because you feel them doesn't mean you're right. You shouldn't trust yourself. The heart is deceitful. It leads us astray. I've said this before, the whole follow your heart mantra that the world is giving into, the worst plan. <laughs> the worst. It's leading them into greater and greater bondage and destruction. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust your doubts. Trust God's word. Work through that. That's how God makes you stronger and will allow you to stand firm in the last days. Because Jesus is coming back and I need to be ready and I will be ready. Here's the second thing. Okay, faithful to him as his plan unfolds. You faithful to the Lord? Verse 24, take a look at this and Jesus now, he's, again, he's, he's kind of shifting gears a little bit and he's describing now the, the specific event of his second coming. Okay, but he says, but in those days, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Okay, so, so pretty obvious some major cosmic events are going to occur here. Then verse 26, and, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with, with great power and glory. That sounds awesome, right? And then he will send out the angels and, and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. Okay, so, so believers have been, you know, strategically placed across across all foreigners of, uh, four corners of the globe, so to speak, to, to faithfully get God's message, the message of the gospel, out to the nations. Remember verse 10 talked about that. Okay, that's God's plan for, for you and I now. Okay, that's what we're to be doing. That is the mission. You know, verse 28, take a look at this. This is where he, he shifts back now. He's kind of going back and forth. He links the destruction of the temple and, and the second coming um, together, he goes back into the destruction of the temple now, verse 28. He says, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. You're like, hmm, fig tree, I think we just talked about that a couple of times. Well, it's actually a different illustration, different lesson that he gives here. The last time he talked about the, uh, the fig tree, it was the, the withering roots, right? And the withering roots mirrored the, the withering spirituality of, of temple worship. Right? And this is actually a, a picture into your soul and into your heart and how you approach God. That's not what he's talking about here. Okay? He uses a, a different kind of illustration here. He's getting a lot of mileage out of these uh, fig trees. Right? He says this. He says, From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and, and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. Right? That makes sense. It's a sign that summer's coming. So also, when you see these things taking place, he's talking about all the signs of, of verses 3 to 13, which we just walked through, right? the persecutions, the, the false messiahs, the, the, you know, the inquisitions from councils, all of that stuff. He says, when you see all these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. 
He's like, my, my plan, it cannot, will not be stopped. Okay, this is what's going to unfold. That's what he's saying. Now, verse 32. But concerning that day, so again, he's speaking back to the second coming now, or, or that hour, no one knows. It's not going to happen in like, you know, 19, you know, 57. No! Right? We don't know this. When guys say that, but that's like an unfollow on Twitter, okay? If a guy says that, just, just unfollow. We don't listen. Well, I, I still think it's The scripture is so clear. We don't know what hour, what day. No one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And then he says this, see it? Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. Just in case you weren't listening to the other five times I said it, you do not know. Right? It's like, it's like a man going on a journey. So he gives, he gives this illustration. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to, to stay awake, right? That's his job. He needs to be vigilant. He needs, he needs to watch. He says, therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep, meaning neglecting your God-given responsibilities. He says, and what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. And so the commandments here to, to be on guard and, and to keep awake and to stay awake, all of it, it, it understand, it's far more than to, than to say, be aware mentally that some of these things are happening, right? Be, be cognizant that these things will take place at some point. It, it, it's more than, than saying that. It's to say, be faithful. Be faithful in the tasks that, that God has given you as as God's plan for creation unfolds, which we're seeing here in chapter 13, he's telling us this is, this is what's going to happen. Do the jobs. Do, do the tasks that he has given to you to do as, as his followers. Carry, about, carry out the responsibilities that God's given us as a, as a church, as people saved by grace and, and called to this incredible mission. And you might be thinking, well, what, what does this look like for us? Like, how exactly do we stay awake? Like, give me some specifics here. What, what does this mean? Well, we'll jot this down. Okay, being faithful to the Lord means this, four things. Okay, first one, first step, really. It's, it's accepting that the hard reality that I will suffer. Right, to be faithful to the Lord means accepting what he says is true. If you're like, no, I'm not going to suffer or I'm just going to continue to do what I want or, listen, we, we need to accept it. The reality is life, life is difficult. We know that circumstances get difficult, but the mission of Jesus Christ is very difficult. As you serve in the church, as you disciple your kids, as you, as you, you know, just try and like, open up the Bible for yourself, don't be surprised when that's just a grind. Don't be surprised when that's, you don't feel like it. Don't be surprised when every excuse in the book comes up and I don't want to do it or I'm not going to show up or I'm not going to whatever. Right? You're, you're going to suffer. I'm convinced that, I don't know, Christians, a lot of Christians have kind of heard and 
you know, or maybe kind of read about some of the things that we're talking about here today, but we haven't truly accepted it on a heart level where we're like at peace with it. Like, okay, all right, this is going to happen. Right? Jesus gives us, he gives the disciples and, and us too, the, the inside scoop here. Why? I think to wake up a sleeping church. Right? I, I mean, big C church. Right? We're so kind of dull and, and, and sort of out of it, it seems, about some of these things. But he tells us these things to, to allow us, to help us rise from our, our slumber about, about the mission and, and be alert as to where, what's really going on and, and where this is all headed so that we can be faithful to the Lord in the midst of that suffering. You've got to accept it. Are you willing to do that? Or are you fighting against it? Listen, our, our hearts, our flesh, we, we don't want to suffer. We don't, we don't want that at all. We hate pain. I get it. I do too. But Lord, help us to understand that we need to accept this. Because if we don't, we cannot be faithful. So being faithful to the Lord means that, but it also means this. Focusing on what, what we've been called to. Do you realize that you can't do everything? Have you learned that lesson yet in life? Right, so many of us, we want all the toys, right? We want to have all the vacations. We want to have maybe a lot of kids. We want them all to just behave well. We want to have money in the bank. We want to be healthy. We want to have perfect relationships with people. We want to feel good. We want, to, we want it all. Right? And, and, and we, don't, we don't get all of it. Have you learned that? We don't. No one has this perfect life that everyone seems to show we have on Instagram. Right? We don't have it. And, and you can't do everything. You can't have everything. So we've got to focus on what's, what's most important. Right? We've, we've, we've got to do that. We've got to make the most of the short time that God has given us here in this life. Time just blinks, right? It feels like just last year we were talking like Christmas offering and you know, we were thinking about like plans for Christmas and you know, all of this stuff and we're right back at it again. Right? We gotta focus. I would say if you want just a general word to write down, what do we need to focus on? Well, discipleship. That's what God calls us to. Man, you gotta disciple your wives. You gotta disciple your kids. Guess where that starts? Discipling yourself. You gotta do, this is what matters. You gotta focus on that. You're not gonna have every other little thing that you, that you want. I like this. I saw, somebody wrote this down uh, a while ago and I saw that, this and I loved it and I think it really describes what our focus must be as the church. Lost people saved, saved people matured, matured people multiplied, all to the glory of God. That's it. That's the focus. We gotta be focused on what we've been called to. How about this third one? Letting go of what doesn't really matter. Right? Yeah, we gotta focus on the things that matter, but we also have to like let go of the things that don't. Again, so many of us, we like, I want this like amazing relationship with the Lord, but I don't actually wanna give up anything that, that, the, that the scriptures call me to give up. And so we, we, we wanna hold on to everything, but we gotta let go of some things. You wanna be faithful to the Lord? We gotta do that. We gotta be refused to allow ourselves to be sidetracked on, on, on unimportant things or, or let 
the, uh, I'm going to butcher this phrase because I didn't write it down, the enemy of what's best, you know, you know that phrase? No? Forget it. I'll write it down and tweet it or something. That's why you write things down, right? But we've got to refuse to, to get sidetracked by these things, by these less important things, by these peripheral things. They might be really good things, but they're the enemy of what's best. Nailed it. Redeemed. All right, here's the fourth thing, right? Being faithful to the Lord means, means living life with eternity in mind. You ever heard of an eternal perspective before? Hey, listen, we, we just read some, some pretty like, heavy verses today, didn't we? Like, woe to like nursing mothers, those who are pregnant. Like, it's going to be so bad that God actually, in his mercy, cuts the days short because if it went an extra day longer, everyone would be wiped out. But listen, don't be so sidetracked, distracted, I should say, by, by the tribulations to come that you forget the hope and that you forget the joy that Jesus is returning to bring us to glory. Don't forget that. You can't afford to forget that. Live with that eternal perspective in mind. Why? Because that inspires us. That, that helps us so much, church. Do you know that? When you're discouraged and you're kind of beat down by your flesh and why do I not seem to be growing the way that I, that I, that I should be? Why am I discouraged by the fact that, you know, I'm trying to build relationships here at this church and it feels like no one else wants to? I'm discouraged by, you know, I, I thought our marriage would be better, but, but it's just not quite. And I, I still sense the Lord is, you know, somehow there, but man, it's, it, it doesn't seem so good anymore. And We think about the, the, the future and what, it's going to get worse? And we, and we can kind of get into this, this deep, almost depression about it, I think, a little bit. Listen, don't forget, the Lord is returning. He's coming to make all things new. He is coming to, to glorify you, to give us our new bodies. And in the difficult time, that, that inspires us. And it remembers us, oh yeah, he's coming back. And this is, going to be, this is going to be good, right? It encourages us to, to keep our, our hands to the plow and, and keep trudging forward in, in the middle of those trials and in the middle of those, those persecutions and in the middle of those, those challenging times. Because it's not about me. It's about him and what he's accomplishing and what he is doing and what, what he will yet do. Jesus is coming back. Right? It could be today. After I read that, I kind of hope it is. It could be tomorrow. It could be in a thousand years. We don't know. There will be immense hardship in those days leading up to it. There's immense hardship now. But as we, you and I, as, as we absorb the reality of, of, of these things and what's going to happen you know, in the end, it also kind of snaps us to attention, right? It, it kind of removes that fogginess, that that, that cloud that's, that's got us thinking about earthly things and, 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 you know, the self-centered life pursuits that we've given ourselves over to. And it, like, it refocuses us, us again on, on what matters most. Growing in our, in our trust. Growing in our, in our love for him as disciples. And then faithfully carrying out the mission that he's given us to do in the meantime. So listen, the question is this. Will you be ready? Will you? 
Will you make the most of these short days now? Because your God is awesome. Because he has commanded you to. Because he is going to do something awesome with that and in you.